Uh, when I was uh, a bit younger, quite a bit younger, and playing football regularly, at the end of the first match after Christmas, as we were getting changed, a uh, teammate was telling the rest of the team all about the Christmas present that his girlfriend had given him for Christmas. It was a state-of-the-art audio hi-fi system, combining the latest technology with fashionable styling, with every gadget and accessory necessary for perfect sound quality. Dolby digital amplifier, surround sound, quadraphonic speakers, three-inch woofers, ribbon tweeters, the works. As he described it, it became clear that it was, in his words, a remarkable piece of kit. It had everything. It did everything. And while he described this all-singing, all-dancing music machine, I've got to tell you there was more than a hint of envy flying around the changing room. When he finished describing it, a teammate asked him, and what did you buy for her? What did you buy your girlfriend for Christmas? And he said, I bought her a matching bobble hat and scarf. (laughs) Just imagine it as he unwrapped this most amazing and costly gift from his girlfriend, what must have been going through his mind as he handed over her present a measly matching bobble hat and scarf. Uh, Some gifts are just not appropriate. Uh, Here's another gift that in my book is always inappropriate, Deodorant. I I don't care how much festive packaging you put around it, getting deodorant at Christmas says only one thing, if you ask me. Uh, Some gifts are just not appropriate. Uh, And that is true of the very first gifts that were given on that very first Christmas. When we hear of the wise men finding the little Jesus, we read these words. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gold and of incense and of myrrh. Can you believe it? The wise men gave the little Jesus myrrh. Myrrh was used to embalm the bodies of the dead. And here they were giving that to a little boy. Just imagine Christmas morning, me giving my little boy a coffin. It's just not appropriate. But inappropriate as it may seem, these three gifts, uh, the, the three gifts that the wise men gave to the little Jesus, go a long way to explaining what is at the very heart of Christmas. I wonder if I was to ask you, how would you sum up Christmas? Do you remember a, a few years ago now the Marks and Spencer ad where they asked celebrities to describe Christmas in, in three words? If you remember, it on came the actress on a Blackman and the three words she used to describe Christmas was eating too much. Steve Redgrave and Matthew Pinsent, the Olympic rowers, came on more command wise. Other celebrities appeared in the advert with other suggestions. Three words to describe Christmas, the Queen's speech, last minute shopping and then of course came the punchline to the advert. Describe Christmas in three words, Marks and Spencers. Well, you won't be at all surprised to hear me saying that M&S is not at the centre of Christmas. But these three gifts are gold, incense and myrrh. Understand them and we understand what is at the heart of Christmas. Indeed, what is at the very heart of life itself. The first gift, gold, it was a gift for a king because the wise men knew that Jesus was king. When they were trying to find Jesus, do you remember these words? Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. Where is this newborn king, they said. And we see it again as Matthew records the significance of Jesus born in Bethlehem. Uh, These words, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler 
a ruler, a king. That's who Jesus is. That's why the wise men gave him gold. Here was the king of the universe coming into the world. And how we need someone to rule this world. Don't you feel the sense of the need of a supreme king in our world? Just look at it. In the grip of a global recession, plagued by global terrorism, under the cloud of global warming, blighted by global poverty. And not just globally, but personally. Just this week, I met with a man whose job is in jeopardy due to the credit crunch, someone else who's just been diagnosed with cancer, and another whose marriage is falling apart. We so need a king to sort out this world, to direct us, to to rule our lives. But here's the thing. The king comes into the world, and what do we do with him? We see him as a threat to our independence, and we want to get rid of him. That was the response of King Herod. When Herod heard the news of this newborn king, we read he was disturbed. So disturbed that, quote, he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. Herod's response, I will not have this king. As we've been hearing about the banking crisis in these last months, my mind has regularly gone back to my first job after leaving school. I worked for the Midland Bank as it was called then, now HSBC. I was one of a number of 16-year-old school leavers working in one particular branch. For us, work was just a laugh, really, especially when the boss was out of the office. When the cat was away, boy, did the mice play. I remember one Christmas when we were particularly boisterous. The boss was out, and and so we took it it in turns to do our favourite animal impression, as you do when you work in a bank. Uh, One member of the staff uh, got on all fours and moved very slowly, doing an impression of an iguana. It was quite good, as I remember. Another rather rotund bank clerk did his impression of a a pot-bellied pig. Uh, Not a pretty sight at all. And uh, wanting to get in on the act, I decided to do my cage baboon impression. You wonder why the banking crisis has hit. Well, here it is. Uh, My cage baboon impression saw me jumping around the room, screeching at the top of my voice and standing on the desks. Uh, Indeed, it was while I was standing on the desk, making loud whooping noises, that the boss walked in. Uh, Interestingly, it wasn't long after that that my banking career ended, uh, which I've never quite understood. Uh, The point is this, we thought it was great when the boss wasn't around because it meant that we could do whatever we liked. And that's why Herod didn't want King Jesus around then. And I think that's why many people don't want King Jesus around today. We don't want him to direct our lives. But of course we don't mind the Christmas Jesus, a baby Jesus. And that's because at Christmas we all suffer from grandma syndrome. Have you come across grandma syndrome? Uh, You discover it when there's a brand new baby in the family. Grandma can't wait to get her hands on the baby. When grandma comes to visit, she'll burst in through the door with barely a, hello, nice to see you, and she makes a beeline for the baby. If someone else has the baby in a crowded room, grandma is superb at manoeuvring herself so that she's strategically positioned so that the moment the baby becomes available, it's grandma's turn next. Well, at Christmas, it seems we all suffer from grandma's syndrome. We all want the baby. Baby Jesus, meek and mild. But you see, the baby grew up to be a man. The baby was a king, a king who rules. And Christmas is about acknowledging Jesus as king, just as the wise men did. Do you remember their words? We saw his star in the east 
and we've come to worship him. I wonder if you're doing that. Are you saying at the centre of my life is the king of the universe and he is the one to whom I bow down and worship? You see, we do so need a king because King Jesus can deal with, well, he can deal with our very deepest needs. As we read on in Matthew's Gospel, we see that Jesus is king over illness as he healed the sick. We see him king over nature as he stilled a raging storm. We see him king over wickedness as he drove out evil spirits. And the ultimate proof that Jesus is king, he rose from the dead. And that is terrific news. See, for some here this evening, this will be the first Christmas without a loved one. For a few here, you'll be thinking that this is likely to be your last Christmas with your loved ones. But for all of us here, there will come a time when Christmas is ruined by us being separated from loved ones by death. And so this is terrific news. Jesus is king even over death. I was uh, struck reading this article in the Times last week by by Lawrence Delalio, the uh, England rugby star who was part of the 2003 Rugby World Winning Cup squad. Uh, Delalio's mum died uh, just uh, a few weeks ago and uh, he writes these words. "When when, When the cancer was diagnosed two years ago, she didn't think for a second that she wouldn't come through it. She wouldn't talk about it much, as if she felt slightly embarrassed that a woman as strong as her could be knocked down. Well, that's it, isn't it? That's exactly it. We think we're strong enough to survive anything. Lawrence Delalio's mum was 70, but she couldn't believe that death would grab her. But it does. And so we need this king. The one who is king even over death. The one who can give us life beyond the grave. That's why Christmas is so brilliant, not just for Christmas time, but for all year round and for the whole of our lives. It gives us the answer to the great problem of death. The choir sang it actually in our opening carol. As they sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Did you hear the words? From depths of hell thy people save and give them victory over the grave. That's Christmas. Jesus is king. Bow before him and you and I can have confidence in the face of death. Isn't that something? The wise men gave Jesus gold. Second, they gave him incense. Incense was used as a a symbol of prayer. It pointed to a relationship with God. And so in giving the little Jesus incense, the wise men were saying, God will meet his people here in this Jesus. Jesus is where we can be reconciled to God. I wonder, do you have a relationship with God? Do you know the God who made you? It's wonderful when you do. That's what Christmas is all about. I'm told that Christmas is one of the most disappointing times of year. We look forward to our Christmas presents and all we get are a pair of socks or deodorant or a matching bobble hat and scarf. We look forward to spending time with the family and before we know it they're, they're winding us up or getting us down. And what we experience at Christmas is for many a microcosm of the experience of life itself. Our culture is full of a a terrifying restlessness. Despite achieving so much, so many feel so restless. 1,500 years ago, the great theologian Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, in God. 
I meet many people who feel that restlessness deep down. You might not know it to look at them. They seem happy enough, but, but really in their hearts, they're restless. Advertising executive Mike Elms says, sociological research is saying that we are more unhappy now than we have been at any time in the past 50 to 100 years. We have so much, and yet we have so little. Uh, Take Bob Geldof, for example. Here's his autobiography. It's uh, entitled, Is That It? And towards the end of the book, having raised £50 million for Live Aid, virtually the last words in this book are that. Is that it? Is there not more to life than this? In an interview with the Times uh, a while back, the journalist Mick Brown asked Geldof if he felt his life is fulfilled and Geldof snorts with laughter, replying, Not at all. I don't know what that word means. I'm unfulfilled as a human being. Otherwise, where are the, why, why are there these large holes here? And he thumps his chest. Everything I do is because I'm frightened of being bored, because I know what's down in those holes. It makes me very depressed, so I stay active, frenetically so, unfortunately. And that freneticism keeps me going. All the time allows me to believe I'm not wasting my time. See, after all he's achieved, Geldof feels a terrifying emptiness. I wonder if you ever ask yourself, who am I? What is my place in the universe? What else is there apart from working and shopping and and watching Strictly Come Dancing? You know, Christmas is about filling that emptiness. An emptiness that, that, won't, that, you, that won't be filled by hard work or sport or holidays or family or relationships. An emptiness that can only be filled by God because we were made to be in relationship with God. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Here's why Christmas is so spectacularly good. Jesus can restore my relationship with God and when that happens I find the very meaning of life itself. Again, did you hear it as we sang, O little town of Bethlehem? These are the words. So God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. To be in relationship with the living God, that's the blessing of heaven. Knowing what it is to know what life is about. The wise men bought Jesus gold because he's king. They bought him incense because in Jesus we can meet God. And third, they bought him myrrh. As I've already said, it's a gift that speaks of death. It speaks of Jesus' own death and it points to how our relationship with God can actually be restored. For most people that I meet, they say that God seems very distant. And if you think about it, of course he does. We have rejected this king. We have lived as if the boss is out of the office. We want to live our lives our own way and that leaves us in a bad place with God. It is a terrible thing to come face to face with King Jesus having lived as if he wasn't there. How do you think I felt when the boss walked back in the office to find me standing on the desk whooping like a deranged baboon? Then you can imagine what it will be like to come face to face with the King of the universe, Jesus, and to realise that all our lives we've been living as if he were not King. But the wonderful news of Christmas is that we can be brought back to him We can have the the slate wiped clean. All the past gone, all the mistakes covered over. And that happens through Jesus' death. That's why the wise men gave him myrrh. Jesus was born to die because when he died on the cross at Easter time, he died so that you and I could be forgiven. The question is, 
Have you ever, ever come back to God through the death of Jesus? Have you ever experienced what it is to be right with God? It's an amazing thing. Let me end with this story. It's a story I'm always moved by. The story of a a South American mother whose daughter, just before Christmas, ran away from her mother and left home in a desire for independence and freedom. After hearing nothing and fearing the worst, the mother went to the city and took with herself a whole load of passport photos of herself. Uh, She visited all the bars and hostels and clubs and brothels and pinned up the photos of herself in the hope that her daughter would see just one of them. Sure enough, after a while, the daughter did spot one of the photos. She recognised it as her mother's face and she took it down and turned it over to see her mother's handwriting on the back and it simply had these words on it. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, come home. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, come home. That's the message of Christmas. Because of the death of Jesus, you and I can come home to God whatever we've done. We can come home to the King, the King who loves us, loves us enough to die for us. We can come home and discover what life is about. We can come home and be sure that even death cannot separate us from the love of God. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, come home. In a moment we'll sing these words in our, in our final carol. Uh, the carol being, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We're going to sing these words which sum up what Christmas is about. Glory to the newborn King, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. See, Christmas means you can come home to God. Whatever you are, whatever you've done, come home. That's the message of Christmas. It's the most wonderful gift that anyone can have. And don't you think tonight would be a brilliant time to take that gift if you've never done that? Oh, look, I've got some booklets like this. I'd love to give you one. And that will tell you more about the sort of things that I'm thinking about and how you can find out how to come home to the living God. Uh, Do please take one of these from me. I'm going to be standing on the door as you leave. I'll have a a whole load in my hand. Just say, I'd like one. Uh, Take one from me. Uh, And uh, that would be terrific. My, My colleague Andrew will be on the other door. We'd love to give you one. Uh, all that remains for me to say is to wish you a very happy Christmas. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for listening. You're welcome any, at any of, the, of our other services through Christmas. We'd love to see you. Uh, in a moment, we're going to sing our final carol. But first, let's listen once more to the choir.